This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. If you don't have the jungle man Bruce Grobline here, you won't win the title. Hang on, have a look at your watch. We will become the record holders. So weird you get such a hard-on for the super vet. Most double-cheek kisses in 30 seconds. The three PMs are in chaos. Where's the pizza come from? Things were getting silly. I didn't know you were religious. Well, for goals I am. Hello and welcome to another episode of That Peter Crouch Podcast with me, Peter Crouch. Chris Stark and Statman Dave with me as usual. You right, boys? So good? Lads, I haven't done a pod for a while, but my head's been a bit fuzzy since the clocks went back. Feels like I'm living in a different time zone. I feel like this was a, quite a secretive clock going back one. In what sense? Well, I don't think it was enough Not press. A... <laughs> I agree. I feel that one crept up on me. Yeah. Well, I th- feel the same about Crouchfest, ironically, <laughs> but we'll, g- we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into that very shortly. Yeah, I know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Like, the... usually you know, like, people go, oh, does it go forward or back tonight? But this like, is the I... best one. You know if you're in a club and it hits 2am and the club closes at 2, can you legitimately then go to the bouncer and say, hang on, have a look at your watch, 1am. But do they not? Do they, do they not? No, they 100% did. That's why I was yeah, sort of lost. another hour in the club. Because it was another hour in the club and then it was like one thirty, and I'm like, why am I so tired? It was actually 2.30. Mm. Yeah. Just blew my mind. Where were you out of interest? Uh, Manchester. Lunch kitchen. I've had where a great time. Oh, I was a Lovely. great time. Are we the only like nation that do this? The clocks. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Piss around with the clock. Why? It's just so... I just, it's such a... Mis- like, it's so mysterious, isn't it? Like, why do we do it? And for, No one else does it, do they? Is... is I also wonder, is 2am the best time to gain an hour? Do you know what I mean? Like, if they're mm. going to change it at any point... Like, what, what happens with the three o'clock kickoffs, for example? If the <laughs> clocks go back an hour at three, imagine the carnage for a football fan that's a three or four pints in. You're making, <laughs> trying to work out when they should be at the stadium. my head hurt already. <laughs> Isn't that a massive bonus, make though? It. If you've had a two or three pints and then yeah. you realise you have another hour... Yeah. Well, what about if it went back like at half? Like you'd have to kick, you'd have to play for another hour. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And I think the prime minister or King Charles, imagine he had the power to go. I'm going to put the clocks back now because it's going to happen at some point. Back, but God. only when he puts the tweet out does it happen. <laughs> so it's like be real, and then suddenly it's like the three pm's are in chaos or like yeah. Strictly Come Dancing. Everyone's waiting to watch it. What time does it start? Seven-ish? You know, suddenly Rishi decides, bam, I'm going, (laughs) we're doing it now. It's that sort of power that these guys should have, I think. A bit more of that. It's a a strange one, the whole clocks thing. I don't know where we are now. Is it lighter? When's it lighter? So Crouchfest, lads, we're pretty close. How's the uh, organisation, the prep going? Mm. Yeah, well, we're beavering away, aren't we, Chris? Loads going on. Um, We have... Booked a few, a few big acts. I don't know if we should tell people the couple. No, I, I would like us to keep as much of it a surprise as possible because I think the first Crouch Fest was was good. People are legitimately asking questions though. Going like, <laughs> boys, it's Wembley Arena. We're buying tickets without knowing anything, and we should say thank you for that trust as well. It's not something we take lightly. Well, last time, last time we we managed to prove that we could pull it together it was epic yeah but I think the thing is with this I do understand and there have been discussions about this there are you know it's a huge event and it would be nice for people to have a flavour of what they can look forward to Mm. Um, so 
we should say there is so much stuff up in the air. It's proper. I don't think there's anything wrong in saying it's what's the ask, uh, what's the phrase, Dave? Is it ask against the sea or or <laughs> are flying something? Anyway, the point is there will be stuff sorted. What was last that minute. Saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, Ask against the water. Ask against the, the water. fire. Seat of the pants. Or something like that. Is it one of yeah, those? Seat of the seat of the pants. Flying by the seat of our pants. That's why I couldn't be a pundit. They're flying by the seat. <laughs> What's the phrase, Crouchy? I think it's flying by the seat of your pants. I think. Fuck knows what that means. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> There will be some of that. Some of the stuff we are arranging is um, is going to be last minute. It's going to the wire. But it will be all the better for it. You've got musicians, potentially. Sports people you guys are talking to. Again, I'm, I don't have a clue what you guys are talking about, but rumours. Exciting. Yeah, yeah some, some other big names and guests. Even the no's are funny. I think when, once the event is done, <laughs> yeah. we should go through some of the messages that were sent you out. You know what? Some, because... some of the ideas. <laughs> the, there's one that I put on uh, WhatsApp earlier that I've just had involving a drummer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which is really good if we can get him to do it. Yeah. I don't think he needs to be dressed as a gorilla for it to work. (laughs) And I know there was a bit of a debate around that. But anyway, let's keep some surprises. Right, lads. One of the things that we're doing, we're doing the Messi and Ronaldo referendum. We're working out who's the better player. Um, We're going to be doing that at Crouch Fest. Have you got any more texts or anything back, Crouchy, from people yeah. that you've been speaking to? Yeah, well, like, so far, I was just sort of going down the, the phone book, really. Obviously, Sean Dyche got back to us, Anthony Joshua, Michael McIntyre got back to us, didn't he? So I've actually got a few more. Flintoff got back to me. Did he? Ronaldo or Messi? Flintoff, I'm going to say Ronaldo. I reckon Ronaldo as well. I do, Crouchy. What a, what a question that is. Messi or Ronaldo? It's like picking one of your favourite kids. Problem is, in my house... I got one of my lads who just loves Ronaldo, other one loves Messi, so I can't bring myself. And they keep blinding me with stats and telling me why one's better. I can sit on the fence here. At times, Messi's been better, especially now. And Ronaldo, um, no mind, I'm going Ronaldo. Lives near me. He's got cars, but Messi has as well. But Ronaldo, having said that, none of them are Harlan. Even before City, early Harlan, he's like... A young Peter Crouch before he, before Crouch he got his pace and power. Um, I hope that helps. It was nice to see you the other day. Oh, I needed that. Pulled over. I was desperate. It was one of them where you go. Oh, anyway, I'm off for now. I'm on my oldies. See you later. <laughs> Fair to him. Ronaldo man. Fancy yeah. that. That uh, was that was great when he turned up at the pub. Oh, it's brilliant, wasn't it? Was, so yeah. funny. He turned out, he, if you missed this, it was on a previous podcast, we were recording the pod and Flintoff just turned up out of nowhere because um, we recorded down by the toilets. He'd uh, got out of car because he just desperately needed a piss and uh, and turned up. Uh, Which is, to be fair, um, I'd, I really don't want to be that guy. A bit shit house of him to come in and just use the toilets without stopping for a drink in there. Well, he used it as a shit house, hasn't he? Yeah, he's... <laughs> but... No, I've done that loads of times. Have you not? My yeah, I have. But I think my it's all. I always feel like it's. I sort of become a bit like an actor, like one of the extras in EastEnders. So I pretend to be in the pub a little bit and go downstairs and do you? Yeah, because you have to be sort of look like you're. Or you you actually pretend pretend to to point at someone on the other side. Do you? Well, because I don't know how much the landlord is clocking. Be good to hear from landlords if you really do clock the situation of who's. If you are a landlord, please get in touch because, like, you know, people are running in just to use your toilet. 
I think there's a pub but, economy where I go, I spend a lot of money in pubs. So that entitles me a sort of season ticket to any pub toilet. But I think there should be some sort of pass maybe that you could, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's an improvement. Like, you know, some sort of, you know, like the gyms where you can do the gyms in any town. Yeah. Should be like that, but just for all pubs. Yeah, well, something to ticket. ponder. Yeah, something to think uh, about anyway. Supervet, anyway. Supervet got in touch. And now you are not across Supervet's work, are you? No. Uh, or you, Dave. No. Well, I don't know where you've been. Like, seriously, how can you not know who Supervet is? It's so weird you get such a hard-on for the Supervet, because... He's been in my house. We've already said that I've been out for dinner with him. If you are coming to Couchfest and your dog does have a dodgy hip, Supervet will be there. We'll throw the dog on stage and see if Supervet can heal it. Yeah. He could, he could, 100%. Are dogs allowed at Couchfest? Blind dogs will be fine, won't they? Yeah. If, if you're blind listening to this and have a dog with a dodgy hip, perhaps, perhaps we could use it for the Supervet. Let us know. Where he is anyway, is his take on the Messi and Ronaldo debate. Hi Peter, Noel Fitzpatrick, Supervet here, Ronaldo versus Messi. Well, it's not going to come down to who scored more goals, more hat-tricks, more titles, scored in every minute of the 19, no sir. Stuff. It's about attitude to adversity in my opinion. He might appear sullen on the outside, but his discipline, uh, his state of persistent readiness, his hunger is, in my opinion, unparalleled in world football. And, of course, as a fan of Man United, uh, I am, however, biased. But for me, Ronaldo, every time, my friend, Ronaldo, every time. Strong answer from Supervet. Messi, currently this season, has been directly involved in a goal every 56 minutes. About the time of this recording, I'm hearing you might be going to enter Miami. He may be, yeah. But then Barcelona so also make... knocking around. Financially, they can't. <laughs> surely can't. And Messi surely doesn't want to play in the Europa League next no. season. Uh, anyway, anyway, Joe Cole's been in touch. It's, it's always a tough one because we're just so blessed to play in, in our era. But I'm going to go with a little fella because I just think he, he does things that other players can only dream of. And like, I, I can sort of see what Ronaldo does, although I could never do it myself. And it's incredible and he's amazing. With Messi, it's like I find it impossible to comprehend some of the passes, some of the, the vision, the goals, everything. So, but we are we are lucky to have them both. That's from uh, from a maverick himself, Joe Cole. Short back and short, though, isn't it? I, I just reckon statistically, more people under five foot five are going to vote Messi. I reckon you're right. There'll be more under that height voting Messi. Right, should we get into some messages? Got a message here from Andrew. Says, I want to help with an idea for Crouchfest. What about breaking or setting a world record? I was thinking Crouchy could set one for the most powerful header of a ball. I've had a quick look and I can't see a record for this. I think this could be a great idea, boys. I do have one. Um, world records, they, they presented me when I scored the most headed goals in the Premier League. They presented me with a certificate to say that I had a world record. I didn't ask too many questions because obviously it's a Premier League record. So how can it be a world record? Yeah. Very good point. But I did accept it. <laughs> I, there are question marks over it. I think that's fair. I also think that's very... I was going to say it's quite honourable of you to acknowledge that that's not a world record for a Premier League. But the thing is, don't Guinness... Um, Aren't they in charge of it? And they've said it is. So then, it, so then, therefore, it is. Yeah. So, Crouch, you've got one. What we could do is me and Chris could also get one on Crouch Fest. There's a few that I looked at that I think very achievable. Yeah, they have to be achievable in the sense that we can do them at Wembley Arena, though. Just, just 
like before we get into this, we had this idea about parched hitting a midge's dick from I can't remember how many yards, and and we adamant we're going to make this happen, but the lawyers have said we can't do it in like physically in the arena whilst there's a crowd. Which we're arguing with, but we, you know we'll find a way of doing that. I don't know what they're scared of, though. A ball, <laughs> the midgy. Yeah. What? What? What is the issue? I think if you come to Crouchfest, you're sort of inherently or implicitly acknowledging and giving permission to potentially getting a ball in the face. Mm. I think you shouldn't rule it out. So obviously, as potentially the the midge that Charlie was going to kick the ball at, I did go and look at his long pass accuracy in the Premier League over his entire you know, tenure there, and it was around 51%. So we're talking Charlie's probably going to connect after three or four, statistically. Yeah. So it's, it's worrying for me. So this is good news for me, actually. It's a good, good part of my day. Yeah, because the idea has developed. I can't remember if we talked about this on the podcast yet, um, but I did let uh, George, who produced this, and Crouchy, I think we discussed it, that Charlie Adams should be hitting a midge's dick, which will be Dave dressed as a fly, a midge, in case you misheard, oh. and a um, with a sort of um, dildo-like apparatus between oh his legs. Oh, my leg. God. <laughs> and then Charlie will hit balls from distance. I mean, it's never been done at Wembley. It's never been done. It's never been done. For good reason. <laughs> so what else could we do, Dave? Well, Dave, what, what is there... Have you been in touch with the Guinness World Record people and... What is there that we could achieve? So I looked at records that can be achieved in 30 seconds. Yeah. So we want to get the, you know, the person with a clock out. We want to get the job done. And then we want to move on with our crouch fest. So a few that have, have come out. Number one, most double cheek kisses in 30 seconds. This was achieved by a, a French lady and a French man. Um, Reynold and Sophie uh, achieved this in 2013 with... 116. Are they just doing it to each other? In 30? Or is there like, you have to continually do different people? I, f- I think it's the two. I think it's oh, a duo. It's better with more people, I think. If you, but we'd need, we'd need Xavi for this, wouldn't we? Because there's that clip of him, um, I don't know who they are, this line of women appear and, and Xavi. Yeah. Yeah, so that's on the pitch, is it? Yeah, like so, so I, but, and they're double kissing him. So I think only do this if we get him. And then we just line Xavi. up. <laughs> I could speak to Iniesta about that. Yeah. Who would you attempt it with? I, d- I think Abs is a cop out for that. I think it would have to be yeah, but what Defoe. Are or... <laughs> <laughs> if Glenn Johnson turns up, that for me is a question mark of something that could be done. I doubt yeah. it'd be there. <laughs> Should we move on to another one? Yeah. Uh, now, for some reason, there's a lot of matchsticks involved. Um, we've got matches snapped in half in 30 seconds. We've got most matches extinguished with the tongue in 30 seconds. Oh, I like that. <laughs> one of those got some health and safety concerns. That's, no, that's 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 interesting. Oh, so hold on. So we can we're allowed to uh, burn our singe our tongues with matches on stage at Wembley, but we can't kick a football around. <laughs> but that's pressure. If you just sit there with your tongue out, right? The onus is on me to strike the match quickly. Well, You're just there with your tongue out, and you get the world record. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Valid like, point. You're doing all the work. Yeah, I'm taking point. all the risk, though. That's Crouchfest <laughs> all over. <laughs> I found three that I believe we could easily do because there's no current holder for each of these records. So if, even if we completed one action, we will become the record holders. So, Chris, for you, 
I've got the most lateral side-to-side jumps in 30 seconds. I'm thinking your ability in the pancake, getting up and down the touchline. Well, no one's done it before, so I only need to do one to, <laughs> to get the record, right? Absolutely. Um, what crap. a fraud that is. <laughs> I do one jump. Imagine a whole arena. <laughs> Here comes the confetti. I think you should do Guinness do. Housery. <laughs> couldn't care less if anyone beats it yeah. <laughs> could not care less because the thing stays on the wall anyway no one no one would see a world record on the wall of my house and then go and google if it's ever been beaten <laughs> it's gonna be a guinness world it's gonna be a record in itself a world record for the least amount of effort to go into a world record <laughs> got loads of messages about the pod that we did all about the mentality of footballers and the mentality that you have to have as a footballer in order to make it to the top. I thought it was a really good pod. Mm. But yeah, there's lots of people who've got in touch saying that you know, it was a help to them, which was nice. Uh, yeah, or their kids, or their kids again into yeah. football as well. And parents as nice. well, you know, like, you know, sort of like how my dad helped me really, and my mum. So hopefully it helps in, a, in some way. And we've also had podcasts recently with Jermaine Defoe and Ed Sheeran. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting with Jermaine as well, um, getting into his head about his journey and stuff. Because um, everyone's got a different different journey. I mean, don't don't just take my word for it. Like that was my path, but everyone's got different paths. So it was interesting hearing hearing Jermaine's one. Yeah. So we thought we'd do a podcast today, all about. Well, it's getting back inside a, a footballer's head and talking about superstitions, which I know with you are massive. It was routine. Yeah, yeah they were not like. I had to, by the end I had so many I had to stop and be superstitious about not having a superstition bizarrely and that that seemed to work for me <laughs> so you went you went full circle full circle yeah I was like don't have any superstitions and that be my superstition if you know what I mean because things were getting silly but superstitions are massive amongst players right yeah I mean I bet you've seen some weird ones <clears throat> as well yeah you see um, you know the start of games uh people doing the most bizarre things and it becomes just totally acceptable. Uh, you're just like, that's his thing. You know, when yeah. you sign a new player, you go, that's what he does and you leave him to it. Well, we've had loads of questions on this topic as well. So thank you so much if uh, if we do get around to doing one of your questions. And, and remember as well, if you do want to get involved in a podcast and you want to send a question, you can do it by going to thatpetercrouchpodcast.com and there's a section there where you can submit any questions you like. You can also get tickets for Crouchfest whilst you're there as well. Crouch, you mentioned you're a bit of a superstitious person. What are the, the classic superstitions that you kind of believe in? Well, things like walking under a ladder... You know, why, why would you take the risk? The mirror, that's seven years. What, why on earth would you, would you break a mirror? I think if you smash a mirror, you're probably not in a good place anyway. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I, don't, I do do, like, in general life, obviously there's loads of stuff that goes on with football, but taking myself out of football. So at school, someone told me that if you stand on all three drains, it's bad luck. But like, I'll walk and I'll see three drains and I'll stand on two and walk around the last one. Do you? Yeah. But it's little things like that that, like, throughout my football career as well, like, if I didn't do them, I would, it would be in the back of your mind, like, oh, is that why? I, I don't know. It's lots of footballers and lots of sportsmen are the same. Mm. So let's take it to the dressing room then, Crouchy. Two o'clock on a Saturday, you got a game at three o'clock. Mm. What is going on in the dressing room? Uh, well, it's complete carnage. Like, if you, if you think so many players that I 
I've played with have got the most bizarre superstitions. When I was a young player, I had loads, like tie-ups. Um, had to be on like left one first, right one first. Shin pads had to be on a specific way. Uh, I wouldn't change my boots if I'd scored. Uh, specific meals before and after um, if I'd score. Um, I'd have to sleep like the, the one particular way. I'd have to have my pillow the right way. Um, I would pray. <laughs> like look, so many... I didn't know you were religious. Crap. Well, for goals I am. <laughs> That's so... another classic, isn't it? <laughs> I just realised that's that's on the chart of with with I'd be a virgin at the top. That's in at number six or seven now. Surely yeah, that was a banger. <laughs> that was a real banger. <laughs> For goals, I am. But I, I know I had I had loads. I'd come out. Uh, I'd always like look for my dad, and my dad would freak me out if I couldn't see my dad at a game because um, he would always get there early, and I'd be able to wave to him, and that that comforted me. And then when we did the lineup, I'd um, I'd be there at the lineup. We'd shake hands, and at the end of every handshake, I would jump, head an imaginary ball. I would run as fast as I can. I would clap the fans on that far side. Then I would bend down and I would tie my right lace every time with, with without fail every match that I ever played in. This boils down to like early on. I remember when I was a kid, um, my boot coming off once. And me thinking, oh my God, like I can't have this happen to me again. So I'd always go, right, I'll tie it up so it's on properly, the right one. And um, so ever since then, I, that was just in my head, I'll, oh, it might come off. Right? And that, it just sort of triggered. And then I ended up going, right, well, I'll play well in that. So and then I always did it. So from a psychological perspective, the routine, it gives you an illusion of control. So every time that Crouch is tying his boot, He's in control, which obviously helps you out in terms of reducing stress and eases the feeling of helplessness from a psychological perspective. Mm. So these routines that the players are doing are actually quite beneficial. So if we were to see every game that you'd done, it would be that same routine. It would be the imaginary header, run around. Imaginary header, run, clap, lace. So you see, I reckon other players would have seen you doing that when you were on good form and gone... Shit, this is Crouchy's routine that he does. Did you ever catch anyone copying the same? Did suddenly someone start doing the same? No, but I, you see it now. Like, I, I know plenty of players who aren't religious crossing themselves, you know, because they've seen it on players that they admire. Interesting. You see it, like, even with the kids, like, they're all doing, you know, doing the hop on and, like, looking up at the sky and crossing themselves. Lots of players that they admire, they... They would copy, I think. That's interesting. Doing the cross without being religious. I've Kissing seen it on a ring and you're not married. <laughs> wow. <laughs> kids you know doing it on a Saturday afternoon now. Kids are kissing rings on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Because they've seen, you know, Suarez kisses tattoos. No tattoos on them. Yeah. <laughs> kissing tattoos. <laughs> Was there any that you saw that were kind of quirky to the point of like, you, you sort of really noticed it with a player and... Well, John Terry, um, with England training... Uh, would have, uh, he wouldn't be able to touch the ball in the dressing room with his feet. So, you, you know, lads would like throw him a ball and he'd just, he'd just lift his feet up like that and like let it go past. He had a lot of superstitions. You know, yeah. he used to change his, he changed his boots constantly as well. Like he'd have a new pair for the start of the game, new pair at half time and then a new pair for the next game. So, it's, so that's it, an odd superstition, isn't it? Cause it would normally be, Surely that you have the same yeah. same ones and the fear that mm. 
Yeah. And also, like, I would, I would always change my shirt at half time. Uh, that became a thing. I always had long sleeve. But things change as well. Like, like lots of players now, they have new pairs of boots all the time. Like, I, I, I couldn't do that. Like, if I'd scored, I was, and then the sponsors would be like, no, you have to get in this pair. And I'm like, I've just scored three and three. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Would, would you rather, have that discussion? Would you... Oh, I'd rather not be sponsored. Yeah, but you, you, I'd rather you, you don't same. have that choice at that point, do you? Yeah, but you do because you're... No, because I, I'd be like, well, how are you going to stop me? My agent had loads of issues with, <laughs> with sponsors because I'd, I'd be in the boots from like two years previous because I was doing well. So, you, so your agent would have to say to these guys, it's like, look, he's not... He would do it's, stuff outside, but not, he's not wearing the boots. I'm not wearing them, no. Yeah, I had, lo- <laughs> I had loads of discussions like that. But like some people couldn't understand why why you would be like that. But I, I was. Did you know about this? So Chelsea received complaints from the FA after they consistently left their dressing room late before kickoffs. Uh, no, I didn't you, know about this. I've got, I've got a bit on this. So it was all because John Terry would only use his favourite urinal in the dressing room. Frank Lampard and Ashley Cole both adopted it as their lucky urinal. <laughs> and as a run of victories continued, that resulted in the whole squad queuing to use the same single <laughs> urinal, despite there being three to choose from. So kickoffs, <laughs> like the players weren't coming out because there was a queue to use yeah, this, yeah, yeah, this yeah, one urinal. One. Um, doesn't surprise me in the slightest. But it's almost like contagious superstition being being contagious it's worked for one he's recommended it to lamps yeah but the look- whole squad are obviously following their leaders <laughs> <laughs> like it's actually insane and it feels a bit like you know where you try to get your kid to do a wee before you go on holiday it's like even the junior members of that squad must be like i john i just don't need to go like, <laughs> I'm, i don't need i don't need one just try <laughs> Squeeze it out. It's a long game. <laughs> Terry's fine. Holding, holding up. <laughs> Just try. <laughs> Sergio Goicochea, Argentinian goalkeeper in the 1990 World Cup quarterfinal, he did the toilet so bad um, after the game that he was told that he wasn't allowed to leave the field. So went on to the side of the pitch and urinated before a shootout. And then they went on to win that shootout, the quarterfinal. Because of that, he did the same thing in the semi-final against Italy and they won that game as well, taking them through to the World Cup final in 1990. Why? It's a game. Why would you stop? Why would you... If he's done it, they've got through. It just feels sort of natural progression. So then whenever I see a ref run off the pitch to go do the VAR check, I think that has urinal vibes about it. The way they're stood there in a kind of... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like this sort of enclosed... Once we're on this, it's something I've noticed. Like... Why do they set the TV up right where fans can lean over yeah, and be like, yeah, yeah. shout, it's just shouting. It should have like the old school cameras with the curtain at the back of them that was attached and you get in and take the photo. Yeah, I know the ones you mean, the black and white photos. Black and white photos and the flash goes off, the big bulb. We use that for VAR. Mm. <laughs> Go in there and you, you put the curtain over you and then you just watch it in peace. Imagine Gogglebox, but there's, fans all around abusing you and telling you what they're saying and the VAR players, is. and both it's, coaching staffs and and the benches kind of get near i i think it's i don't know why they have it so exposed or they should just run into a little booth cubicle like a, a cubicle 
you know, like, like a phone box or something like yeah, that. A phone and, box and, is a nice and like, touch. You just go straight into a phone box, blacked out phone box. You know, and and also they can take like five, so it's totally noise cancelling. Yeah, so they can concentrate. It's totally silent. They go into a little oasis of var. It's bizarre because it's almost like as if they. It's a vardis. <laughs> it's a vardis. <laughs> almost like what they do that's is, amazing it's a varnish <laughs> what they do is they run over to an area and their whole job is to concentrate and watch the watch this screen and I just think that is such so a ludicrous situation to put so much in. going on fans and um, coaching st- everyone players everyone's involved yeah I want to see a Vardis to Anfield that's the dream, isn't it? I just think the refs, you know, they get they get enough abuse, don't they? Like, give them five, give them ten seconds out of the pressure environment to make a decision. Probably get some. Imagine when they go in the booth. I like your idea that it's completely blacked out from the crowd. So they get in there and they're like, "Fuck this." <laughs> That's all I can imagine. Or that. there's a little beer in there, yeah. or a little, just a little Foster's. Take five. There. Right, let's give this a look. My time now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you see the? VAR refs in Greece that had a takeaway delivered during the game. Don't know what your thoughts are on this. <laughs> so the camera's me. panned. You know when it goes to Stockley Park and there's a camera in the corner, you see the back of a yeah. ref's head. Um, on this one, the camera panned to the VAR room just as they were getting a like Deliveroo <sighs> orders. Oh my God, really? Is this footage out there? Yeah, it's, it's on there. Yeah, yeah, really? yeah. There's... Um, so you can see it's cut to it and there's a takeaway being delivered just <laughs> I mean, I'm not against it. They're watching a TV. I don't see why why they can't. First problem, surely to referee as best as they can, they should be fully hydrated and fed pre-game so they can switch on. Yeah, no, Dave. VAR refs aren't warming up the same way that... Well, that's a problem. That's why it's not working. <laughs> but do you think like, the only issue with that is if they get it delivered during a match, you know, and they... You know, they they knock and it goes, you know, Deliveroo. And then they turn around and miss a key moment whilst they're getting a pepperoni. But they're, they're, <laughs> they're not there to watch the moments as they happen. They just need someone to go, fucking hell, have a look at that. Have and a look like, at that. Rewind. <laughs> like, they, if anything, it's the perfect job for doing that. They don't have to watch in real time. No, but you know it's like, you know, you'd like go to the toilet or something like that and you'd come back like, oh, what will I miss? Like, yeah, but yeah, that's you missed why, a huge VAR incident. But you know, sometimes when they're like, God, they're taking ages on this. They're having a real look. They're not. They're not. They're, get, they're getting a Deliveroo. And, uh, Do you think it's right that they've got cameras on them at all times then? Yeah. I don't see the need. The other concern I'd say is where's the pizza come from? So let's say as the opposition or one of the oh. team's presidents sent them a Deliveroo order. Oh. Or have they done a whip round or has the lead referee paid for it? Like there's concerns there. Yeah, ethical concerns around who's funding the deliveries to VAR referees around the world. Right, lads, let's get into Colo Torre. Um, he always had to be the last player to enter the pitch. And in one game, Arsenal started the second half with nine men after William Gallas was delayed at halftime after receiving treatment and Torre refused to come on before his teammate. Yeah, I get it. I get that. And like I say, you know, an African player, they're like some of them were really, you know, Took it seriously, very seriously. And I'm sure Carlo Torre is the same. Was this not just an Eggy Boff scenario? Yeah, potentially. Potentially. You can see Gallas calling an Eggy Boff. 
<laughs> just was always hit every time. <laughs> Fucking hell, you done me again. <laughs> Crouch is his teammate. What you know, you start in the second half with nine men. What are you saying to him? No, like, come know, on, Colo, get on the pitch. You can't be I mean that is it's ridiculous taking it too far, isn't it? Like there are ones that go too far, without doubt. We talk about players. What about managers? Did you see any managers with superstitions? Yeah, like uh, Harry used to be quite open with his superstitions. Um, I remember at Southampton, he wore this um, like dog tie um, and we won and he wore it for the next sort of three games. I remember noticing it because it was <laughs> it was a bit of a rascal tie, to be honest. <laughs> and then the fact that he wore it three games on the trot, I was like, that's a superstition. Did the kickoff time change your pre-match superstitions? Yeah, I always find like the night games, like, because it's the day of the game. Like, I'd rather get the game out early because the whole morning, the whole afternoon, and the whole evening is taken up with like superstitions. That would, that was so, like, the Champions League nights, for instance, would, would just annoy me so much. I'd wake up, I'd have to do a specific breakfast. Then it'd be like a specific lunch. Um, you know, you'd have to do something. And then you'd go, right, you've got two hours to go to sleep. And that sleep, period before a night game was so strange i think i think we go go to sleep sort of between three and five i I don't like how you do that it's so weird like going in and often we'd be rooming with someone and he might have a different routine like wayne rooney for instance wouldn't wouldn't be able to sleep ever like he was just constantly on the go and i imagine rooming with him but you you know you're in the where you need to sleep um oh i just it, it became sort of like just a complete head fuck. The fact that it was completely um, silent, and you think, right, I'm about to go into a cauldron of like sixty thousand people. Um, it's so weird, and, and like you're just in a bed on your own, and like you're thinking, I could stay here. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> I'm not so coming I mean, out. You could stay there and like have no pressure, no. N- nervous energy, no anxiety. But it, it's similar in a sense to like, you you know, you work a, work in the morning, you know, you've got a big night out in the evening. Sometimes you need to get that nap in. I find it just so funny, the idea of all these footballers being put to bed <laughs> at three in the... Like, <laughs> Taken again, to the toilet It does feel a bit like that because nothing about these guys must have wanted to sleep. But, you know, managers said it's got to happen... It's so true. It's so bizarre. And and also, you know, some of the young lads usually don't get up for breakfast. So they they lie in till about 11 and then they can't really sleep in the afternoon. Mm. What I found was my optimal level towards the end was like, I'd get up reasonably early because I had had kids there by then. And then I'd have breakfast. And then I'd get up and I'd hang around and I might have a cup of tea with the lads. We'd chat for a bit. And then I'd just go to bed about one. But I'd hang around and I might do something and then I'd, I'd have lunch and then I'd go back to my room and that's when I'd sleep. I'd have like an hour and a half and there's nothing better than when you've done things correctly and then you step onto the pitch at say half seven, the game for quarter to eight and you go like, and you feel wired. Like there's nothing better than that. Like, oh, but I've done it the other way around where I've gone, oh, I feel a bit tired. Like, not tired, but you're just not at that optimal level of firing. Um, and there's nothing worse than that and then you think oh my god then it's in your head and you think because it's the slightest thing that gets in your head that puts you off 
you've always heard about Bruce Grobelar's passion for piss. He told me about his, obviously urinating on the, the Anfield. Let me just read this to you. I think it's better if I read it to you. Um, back in 92, during Grobelar's testimonial game, the goalkeeper had taken a sponsorship with the Zambezi Lager. The company sent out a witch doctor to Anfield to present a bottle of lager to Grobelar. However, they may have left more than just the beverage. It was said that the man had placed a curse on the club, meaning that the, they wouldn't win the title without the Zambezi. The Zimbabwe, Zimbabwean? Zimbabwean. <laughs> Without the Zimbabwean stopper and goal. He went around on the post and put his goat's tail, put his water on the post of both sides, got the microphone and said, if you don't have the jungle man Bruce Grobelar in here, you won't win the title. For years, Grobelar sat at home and watched the club fail to win a league title for 28 years. He thought it was his fault and he brought the witch doctor in Yet he was hopeless to do anything about the curse. Grobelar decided the only way to, to lift the curse would be to urinate on both sets of goalposts. He attempted this first in 2013-14 to 14 season, but Grobelar would only get as far as the cop end being thrown out before the stopper could make it to the Anfield road end. So he, he, <laughs> he urinated on one end and couldn't get to the other because he'd get thrown out. And he believes... He told me this. I was working on BT Sport with him and he was a guest and he said to me that he genuinely believes that this curse was on Liverpool. Okay. Couple... And the reason they didn't win the league was because a witch doctor had done it to him and the fact that he wasn't in goal. But he's not finished. He said, I fulfilled my task. Last season, I played in a corporate game at Anfield. We were in the dressing room and the guy said, you have to do the business today. Uh, I said, okay. So I took a water bottle, poured the water out, peed in the bottle and came back. First off at the cop end, I splashed it all over the post. Second time, I came down the Enfield Road end and I splashed it all over the other posts. The campaign following, Liverpool went on to win the title. Nothing right. to do with Jurgen Klopp, nothing to do with the players. I think that's the reason. So Grobelar's piss produces success. I think so, so let's get him to crouch fest. 100%. <laughs> what Grobelar, both ends. I don't think Wembley Arena's cursed in the way that we can't be. We can't take any risks. It's a my worry event. is. My worry is. Once you, once you start mentioning the word curse, it does get in your head a little bit. I don't know why urine cures it, but apparently it does. Well, grub, maybe just grubbler though. That's the thing. It's so massive of him to go. To firstly, acknowledge there's a curse, but then to go to to think that the way to break the curse is to piss on the post, like. That's incredible, isn't He's it? He's marking his territory. They said that he, they won't win the league if Grobelar's not there. So, in, a, in actual fact, he is a he bit, is there, a bit there. Does help Allison's pretty good as well. It's one of the best football stories I've ever heard. Let's get him on um, and we'll chat to him about it. Because I spoke to him about it. and Because um, I often, he said something about on, on air and then I spoke to him off air and it was actually really interesting. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We've got a few more superstitions that we've had a look at, Crouchy. Which ones have caught your eye? Right, uh, England and Barcelona midfielder Kira Walsh puts her shin pads on the wrong legs. No, I'm no shin pad, pad expert. I, you know, I, look, I, we've I, got one on the pod, though, Crouchy. <laughs> thank God we have. Yeah. Chris, 
talk us through this. Well, <laughs> I, it's well, as you say, it's a superstition thing, isn't it? Um, I'm just a fan of you know, just a bit of a kind of frontal protection to the either the left or right shin. Mm, um, quite similar. Um, <laughs> yeah, I lots of people put on shin pads in in different orders, or the you know, or like boots on in the same order always. Mm. But you do that. You must. I reckon you do that. It's probably force of habit. You put on like. One particular shoe before the other. Yeah, and shin pads first, obviously. So, what you, you know. Put on what? What do you mean? <laughs> so Chris has just got out of the shower pre-football. I don't know why he's showering before football, but the shin pads are the first thing that go on. Yeah, if you've got me stood there fully naked, like I'm, I'm Pad, probably... Pads first. Pads first. <laughs> Padding up. Like you, pads. Put, you put pants on. Yeah, but, all right. Yeah. Pants Realistically, first. pants, pads, shorts. <laughs> the pads don't go on before the shorts. They don't. Grouchy, that's his superstition. No you can't argue it's with it. Superstition, mate. It's, you know, I wouldn't be the player I was if I didn't go pants, pads, pants, pads. <laughs> sure. Or, or should we just encourage everyone? Shin pads first. Uh, shin pads first. Pads, pants, <laughs> shorts. Nah, if you socks. are, if you go, if anyone out there goes pads first, <laughs> you need locking up. It's got to be done. Pads first, everyone. Come on, do it for a couple of weeks. Let us know. I reckon that feels liberating. Well, let us know. Let us know, guys, if anyone goes pads first. Yeah. Or if you don't go pads first, just try it. Or go pads first and then get a result. Then you'll have to go pads first every week. <laughs> that would be amazing. If you just, like a new signing or a new player, just just test the water and go pads first. Don't say anything as well. <laughs> don't say a word. Just go pads. Pants. <laughs> Let's talk about goalkeepers. Timo Courtois touches his chin when the camera's in front of him whenever he sings the national anthem. Makes sense to me. It'd be great to understand for goalkeepers as well if they could get in touch to the podcast whether they put the gloves on before anything like the shin pads as well. Just to understand <laughs> Yeah, there. the goalie equivalent is gloves first before Gloves pads. Else. But I wanted to bring up some, some um, quotes from, from Courtois on the Ballon d'Or. Crouch, I'm not sure if you, you were across these, but I'd love to get your reaction, your thoughts, and whether he's right or wrong. So, obviously, at the Ballon d'Or um, evening, he was interviewed by L'Equipe. And he said to them, without a good goalkeeper, you don't win a trophy. And in football awards, sometimes we forget that. People vote faster for a striker who scores goals than a goalkeeper. Too bad. But we need to continue sh- to show that goalkeepers are really important. Last year, if we won the Champions League, it was thanks to Vinicius, Valverde, Benzema or Rodrigo. It was also thanks to Courtois. Uh, goalkeepers never won. Ballon d'Or. Yeah, Lev Yashin. Mm. And then you've obviously got a few players that have been close. Manuel Neuer, been close. But it's another... Is, is he basically saying there's another example here of being a bit um, keeperist? Well, what, what do you think? Well, I just think it should be a... It's a totally different sport, isn't it? Like, I feel well, like they... Not. Well, it is. This, is not, the, this is exactly it, his problem. Like, he is part of the same team. He's exactly... He is as important... No, no, I'm not, I'm not saying he's. I'm not saying he's less important. I'm it's saying he's totally playing a different sport. He's playing a different sport. He's, he's not. He's playing he's football. Catching it. He's playing a different. It's not, you, how can you? How can you? It's not football because it's hands. But there's nothing foot about it. This is mental. I don't understand how we keep coming back to this. If the goalkeeper within the rules is told to use his hands, that is the rules of football. No, I, I agree with him. I agree with what he's saying and the fact that we should have a ballon d'or, a ballon keeper d'or. <laughs> so you think keepers are playing a different sport? Well, it's not. They've got all different rules than, than anywhere else. We. So I keep getting these sort of ranty voicemails from Ramsdale 
I played one when um, we spoke to Defoe, and he fires these ones out. You can hear he's in his car, probably on the way to training. Yeah, he's obviously listening to the pod, and not is he, he's not happy, is he? He's not happy. Have, have a listen to the latest one. Starking to me again, <laughs> and again I'm listening to the pod on the way to footy. Listen, well, goalkeepers are better at finishing as a finishing drill than players will be. Not in terms of actual overall finishing, but they do it every day. This thing, what Crouch is saying about strikers would be best for the goalkeepers. They wouldn't. They miss the target 80% of the time. Yes, they can put it in the top corners, but it's about working the goalkeeper. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not happy with this segment. I'm going to be honest. Crouchy is letting me down. And the reason no players... Or hardly any players will go into goalkeeper coaching so they ain't got a fucking clue about goalkeeping. Whereas goalkeepers have to know about goalkeeping and what every other 10 outfield players are doing. As you can tell, I'm not happy by the amount of uh, voice notes I've sent you. But uh, coaching needs to be uh, educated. You know, I'm obviously winding keepers up. I've got to give a big shout to uh, Rambo, though, who... Um, his 50th performance, I don't know if you saw this on his Instagram... It's a bit parchy to himself, but that's okay. Um, he put five-star performance. This was a caption on the picture. Five-star performance for my 50th Arsenal appearance. Then he's put, if you get knocked down, get back up even stronger. Oh, which oh, feels like a mix yeah. of Bat Stronger and Chumble Wumba. No, that's a, it's, it's in between, isn't it? Both. Unless I've misread the room. It, yeah, no, that's, I think that's a pod reference. Yeah. But listen, you know, I am only joking. You know, I love him as a keeper. I love him as a man. He's a friend of the pod. Um, I feel like Courtois' shouts are... I'm not sure about them, if I'm honest. I, I would like a goalkeeper to win it. You know, I think there's been like Schmeichel. There's been um, keepers who have redefined the position. Edison, Alison Neuer. You know, there's people that maybe should have had more of a sniff. So, but it shouldn't be tokenistic is what you're saying. Then it would be wrong for them to do a whole year of like every nomination is a goalkeeper just to kind of... No, no, I think I think there's been keepers that could have potentially won it. But I don't know if you should come out and talk about it. Looking at the votes, it does look anti-keeperist in a sense of the Ballon d'Or top 10 last season, Crouchy. Mm. Courtois got 82 votes. Fewer than Kylian Mbappe, Mohamed Salah, Lewandowski, Kevin De Bruyne, Sadio Mane, and of course Benzema won it. Deserved so. Okay, but can I just can I just step in there? Go on. Day, right, right. Who would you go pay money to watch? Right, Benzema, Mane, De Bruyne, Lewandowski, Salah, Mbappe, or Courtois? Crouchy, I pay money He's last to go on the list. See Backman, you know. Yeah, but would you rather I, see Dan Gosling? I go- <laughs> I pay money to see Gosling. That's, exactly. That's, that's what, nothing. That's yeah, a relevant argument. Yeah, but, by the way, great players, both of them. Gosling and Batman. Yeah, yeah, great players, great players. But what I'm saying is here... Like, isn't the Ballon d'Or is about... People spend money on. Excitement. The Ballon d'Or is about seeing something amazing, like something different. But like, wasn't that the Champions League final? Nine saves in the final, the most made since 2003 for Real Madrid against Liverpool. Massive performance, penalty saves in that tournament, saved a Real Madrid an extra five goals by post-shot expected I'm goals. Not saying he was a, I'm not saying he wasn't a good goalkeeper in that season, but Benzema, think of the last-minute goals, the hat-trick against the two Chelsea. Hat-tricks. Just another <laughs> quote from the L'Equipe interview. Um, Courtois referred to himself as almost a playmaker. <laughs> <laughs> That's like amateur beginner or whatever it was. Courtois is a playmaker. He said... Um, 
Here in Madrid, I also start the plays. It is I am the first pass who decides where we're going to mount the attack or how we're going to play through the rival's pressure. Today, you're almost a playmaker. Goalkeepers are much more important than you, you think. Pass to get five yards to the centre half. He's pass literally, literally centre half going next to him and he's, he's Wilson Palacios in it to five yards out and they're building it. It's 58 more passes before it ends up in the back of the net. To, to be it's fair, big, I, it's a big shout. I agree with Crouchy on that a bit because the thing is with that, if he was to nail consistently passes that head up and then lead to a goal, he'd have a point. Edison Harlan recently in the Premier League. Yeah, so he's saying if they're getting... That was a glorious pass. But, you know, sometimes the ball goes in the crowd and me or someone around me throws the ball back in. I don't claim that that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 15 <laughs> passes before I, I threw it back in to the fullback. <laughs> Crouchy, how many assists does a goalkeeper need to get in a season to win the Ballon d'Or for you? The Ballon d'Or now, like, players are getting, like, one in one for a season, yeah? So they're getting 65 goals in 65 games. That Messi, Ronaldo, that's the kind of standards we're saying, right? If you keep 65 clean sheets in 65 games, I will walk the Ballon d'Or to your house. (laughs) (laughs) Collectively on the podcast, we spoke about how the clean sheet is the entire defence, but now... Where does he live? Madrid. Madrid, I, I will swim the channel... With the Ballon d'Or in my hand and walk to his house and give it to him. <laughs> there you go, Zimar. The gauntlet has been set. It's that time of the podcast where Peloton asks us to check in on Chris's fitness journey. I know you've been really busy recently, Chris. How have you been getting on? If I'm being really honest with this whole Peloton thing, I'm finding it a bit challenging because I've got a new job. I'm up really, I get up at four in the morning at the moment, out out my house by quarter past four to do the breakfast show that I do. It's, it's, and, and so you get tired later on the day. And then obviously, we, look, I, I'm not saying this is work, this is fun. We, we come in here, we chat football, it's great fun. But I've also got two young kids, and it's all just a bit of a balance at the moment. What I'm enjoying about this whole experience with Peloton is feeling that I can go do five, ten minutes here or there, or if I have more time, I can do 20 minutes, or if the kids are screaming and it all feels a bit much, I can jump out and do half hour. And that's what I'm finding is helpful about Peloton and everything we're doing with them, is for someone like me that is very good at making excuses as to why you don't do fitness, I am finding it's a very kind of accessible or flexible way of going about it. So yeah, look, I'm not going to be one of those people that is spending hours every day. I just want to feel a bit better about myself. And the truth is, I have been feeling a lot better when I'm, say, shattered or feeling like I'm shattered. And then I'll go and even do a small amount and uh, and I feel a lot better for it coming out of it. And that, and that's part of it. Look, I'm not going to be at Crouch Fest ripped. I'm not going to stand out there looking like, you know, like Ronaldo chiseled, like... That's but the whole aim of this is just to feel a bit better about myself, and hopefully, if I can do that, um, other people might relate to it as well. And that's what Peloton are hoping. So, yeah, I feel like I am at that stage with it, and being flexible about how I go and do that is what is winning for me. I agree with that, Chris. Um, who have you been working with this week? Yeah, I quite like that Crouchy. Yeah, it's it suggests that it's kind of collaborative between me and the instructor that I'm watching on the screen. Yeah, um, I've gone back to Ben actually, our boy Ben. Oh yeah, yeah. I just find that, Why is weird, that? well, because weirdly, the I do my personal best seem to be with him, 
Um, and maybe that's because I'm slightly more invested in him because I know he's a big fan of the podcast and he's also been sort of helping us. Well, subconsciously, are you superstitious? Well, maybe as a, if I view him in manager terms, I'm trying to impress him a bit more. So does Ben get the best out of you in Weird, manager weirdly, terms? Weirdly, I think he does, yeah. I think he's my... Harry Redknapp. My Harry Redknapp. <laughs> maybe he is. Possibly the first time he's ever been compared to Harry Redknapp. But I find that he's sort of encouraging without being patronising. So one of the things I did this week, you know what I was saying about just trying to fit in some of these um, sessions and classes and just trying to do them because you feel a bit better afterwards. I did this 20-minute full-body strength class with Ben. Uh, I wasn't really sure what to expect from it. What did it involve, Chris? Um, Well, it's just very encouraging with it. You know, rather than being patronising, because obviously he's a very good-looking bloke. Um, so for him to be uh, trying to claim I can get to the same fitness, do you know what I mean? Strength and that. Whereas actually, it's it, you know, it it was a very good class. And uh, I don't know, everything I've been a bit dubious about before, I've kind of proven myself wrong with it. I actually use this and these classes a bit of an escape from everything at the moment. Great episode today, chaps. We spoke goalkeepers, superstitions. We're looking at world records that we can achieve and get into the Guinness Book. Awesome. Yeah, it's been good. I enjoyed it. Nice going back over the old superstitions. Uh, and I, what I realised when coming here today, that actually I've still got loads. Yeah, let us know if any of this resonated with you on um, social. Just get in touch with us or you can get on the website, thatpetercrouchpodcast.com. Yes, and also if you um, put pads on first and notice an increase in performance, uh, please get in touch. Yeah, no, no pictures needed <laughs> on that one. And also don't think this is an open invite to pads only at Crouchfest. You won't get in. I'd well, no pads me. only. Uh, Pads and pants, potentially. But. What is the streaker situation at Crouchfest? We should be prepared. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll deal with that another week. Chumba Wumba, everyone. Chumba Wumba. Chumba Wumba. This episode is brought to you by a load of pricks.net. We are the experts in selling houses. Chris couldn't sell his house. What did you do, Chris? I couldn't sell my house for love nor money, Crouchy. Three different offers I had, all at the last minute, fell through. I turned around to my wife and said... What can we do to sell this house? Every estate agent is failing us. Then I told her, let's go to a load of pricks.net. But Chris, what did a load of pricks do for you? They were brilliant, Crouchy. They sold my house right away. The sign had barely gone up when a well-dressed gentleman came along and offered me twice the asking price. Chris, would you use a load of pricks again? I'd use them every time, Crouchy. Go to a load of pricks.net. They will sell your house like no other. Load of pricks, load of pricks.net. 